on today's Moody Presents, How to Stay on Target with God. Here's this buddy of mine that lies and cheats and steals and doesn't pay taxes and cheats on his wife and works the system and it looks like he's getting ahead all the time. Hey, thanks for joining us for Moody Presents with Dr. Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger, and you may have noticed in Pastor Mark's comment up front, it does seem, doesn't it, more often than not, that those who are opposed to God, boy, they seem to be just cruising by just fine. Meanwhile, you and I, well, we may be praying or reading our Bible or seeking the Lord, but struggling to just get by. It's a frustrating dilemma, but Pastor Mark has some helpful perspectives for us in today's message as he continues his teaching from 2 Peter chapter 2. All of this centered around the larger question, do all spiritual roads lead to heaven? Mark begins today focusing on our need to be very careful when it comes to who we're listening to or who we're allowing to influence our faith, because there's only one way to God. Here's Pastor Mark Job with part two of his message on Moody Presents. The Bible says that all our good works are like filthy rags before God, it tells us in Romans. That no matter how good we try to be right before God, that our righteousness looks like filthy rags before God and that our sin will condemn us. And if we were to put a scale, it would really look like this. If we were to go before God and these are our bad works and these are our good works, it's going to look like this. You say, well, pastor, then who in the world is going to make it? I mean, glory's going to be pretty empty. Well, that's exactly the point. The point, if, if, if your good works could make you right enough to be before God, then Jesus Christ would have never come. You see, our good works are not good enough to make us right before God. Therefore, if you're counting on your good works to try to make it into heaven, you're counting on the wrong thing. The only thing that is able to make you righteous to come before the presence of God is the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ because it's his death on the cross of the only begotten Son of God, all God, all man, dying on the cross. When that blood is applied to your life, it cleanses you from all the past, present, and future sins. And therefore, the righteousness that you stand before God in is not your righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ because he has cleansed you. It's the only way to God. Oh, man. I wish you could know that because it's huge. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. There is not a second way, a third way. There's not an alternative way. There's not a lot of ways that come to God. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, listen to me, no man comes to the Father but through me. There is no alternative ways into the presence of God besides the sacrifice of Jesus, besides the death on the cross. You say, well, if Jesus died on the cross for the whole world, then that means we're all going to make it, right? Wrong. Because the only way that we access that forgiveness and washing in our life is via faith. 
And there has to be a point in time in our life where we are willing to repent of our sins, to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and to allow that sacrifice to be applied to our life. The sacrifice of Jesus is free, but it's not cheap. It requires an act on our life of applying it to our life. Now, I'm talking about heresy. And if you've been taught any other thing than that, then you have been taught a wrong way. The Bible's very clear about that, very strongly clear about that. And most of the heresies around our Christian life revolve around the person of Jesus and our way to salvation. The other thing I want to say about heresy and false teachers is this. The Bible also says that you will know them by their fruit, by the fruit of their life. I am embarrassed at times about what enters under the name of Christianity. I'm ashamed at times because sometimes what I see on TV, the lack of integrity, the lack of character, sometimes among those who profess Jesus Christ or teach about the things of God makes me shudder. And it gives a bad name to Christianity. In fact, some of the things I see on TV are scary sometimes. But yet a lot of people follow them, a lot of people believe them, a lot of people buy into them. And then it comes out later, the, the divorce and the immorality and the, uh, the lack of integrity of handle finances and the luxurious living and so forth. And it makes me shudder and it gives a bad name to Christianity and it makes me say, I'm a Christian but I'm not one of them. How many of you know that when scandals come on TV about Christians, next time you go to work and people know that you're a Christian, it always comes up? So you're one of those, huh? I read about you in AOL News. Yeah, I see what you... And I want to say, no, 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 no. You, you don't understand. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I know nothing about that kind of Christianity. I don't embrace that kind of Christianity. It's not like us. It's not what we follow. It's not who we are. And Peter said, listen... Peter said, many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. That means it'll take the reputation of the way of truth or Christianity and it'll lower it in front of people's eyes. I remember the first time I was struck with this reality. We were just starting out as a church and we were looking at trying to buy a building and we were a small church just getting going, and I decided that I would try to go into a banker and get a loan for the church to be able to purchase another property. And I remember sitting now with this banker at, 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 this, at this particular bank, and he sat down with me and I explained that we were a church and we were trying to get a loan to get a building. I'll never forget what he said because it embarrassed me and it made me sort of cringe and kind of walk out with my head out low. He said, oh, you're a church. Yeah, church. I'm kind of proud of it. Yeah, Christian church. He said, oh, well, the bank's really careful about lending to a church. Said, Why is that? Because they're high risk. High risk as in they don't pay their loans. They, 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 they don't follow through. They're undependable. They would rather loan to a business, not a church. I remember walking out of that place with my head so low, feeling like, wow, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that churches and Christianity have that kind of reputation. I'm embarrassed that an institution of loaning looks at a church 
at high risk, it embarrassed me. I determined when I, go, when I, when I went out of there, you know, well, we're, we're never going to be one of those churches. But I hope that, I hope that it, it shames me that Christianity has a bad reputation. It shames me that I, I believe that, that if we were living the right way, that institutions should be saying, we love you guys because Christians always pay on time. They're always truthful. They always pay their bills. Yeah, we embrace them. But the, the cause of Christianity has suffered disrepute because of some of the uh, shady practices that have been out there. And the Apostle Peter says that that will affect the reputation of Christianity. In fact, in verse 3 it says, In their greed these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has been long and hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Let me say one other word before I move on to the next point. Listen, if, if, if you're watching... Uh, some program on TV or some program on the radio of someone that claims to be a Christian and all they talk about is money over and over and over and over again and it's never about give, it's give to me. If you hear it over and over and you see the luxury they're living in, and then the cars and the so forth and the blatant, and I believe that, hey, people are worth their hire and they don't have to live in poverty, but if they're extreme lifestyles and all they talk about is money and they promise, promise, just give to me, and it will, it will listen, you need to be very, very careful. I believe finances are important. I, need, I believe we need to talk about finances but I believe that there's a lot of shysters out there too. And people of God need to be careful about what you listen to, what you watch, and who you give to. You need to be cautious about it. Because the Bible says here that many in their greed will exploit people. Nothing that ticks me off more than the people of God being exploited. You're listening to Moody Presents. Hey, thanks for your interest, for hanging out with us, and we hope that you're encouraged by today's message. Our current series is called Bullseye Living, Staying on Target with God. In just a moment, we'll get back to this challenge of not envying the wicked. First, though, we invite you to head to moodypresents.org to catch up on past programs in this important series. Again, the website is moodypresents.org. Well, let's get back to our message now as we rejoin Pastor Mark. I think we need to be careful about how we give and who we give to and and, and just give, make sure that you really understand teaching and really understand what's going out there because there's a lot of stuff that's done in the name of Christianity that embarrasses me as a believer and that makes me shudder when I see the exploitation sometimes of the people of God. We need to be really cautious and really careful about that. All right. And he goes on and he says, he, he goes on and he explains for... At the end of verse 31, he says, Their condemnation has been long hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. You see, the idea that some people are getting, not only about false teachers, but about the world in general, is this. I've been trying to live for God. I've been trying to do what's right. I've been busting my tail to live in purity, to tell the truth, to be a good worker, to be faithful to my wife, to tithe of my finances, and here's this buddy of mine 
that lies and cheats and steals and doesn't pay taxes and cheats on his wife and works the system and it looks like he's getting ahead all the time and he's prospering and he seems happier than me and his car's bigger and his house is fancier and he's got more money all the time and I'm saying, hold on a second. The wicked and the unrighteous are doing things all the wrong way and seem to be getting ahead and I'm trying to do things God's way and I seem like I can't get ahead. What is up with that? How many of you have ever had those thoughts? Come on, be honest, be honest. All right. Well, hey, you know what? You're not the first one. And you're not going to be the last one. Peter goes on to answer this, and he basically says, the bottom line that Peter says is, hey, listen, ultimately, they're not going to get away with it. And he goes on and he says, hey, he, he talks about history. He says, for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, I'm not going to get, on, get into all these stories because it take too long, but if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if the angels didn't get away with it, he's saying, and if he did not spare the, spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, and if the ancient world didn't get away with it, so God brought a flood of judgment, even though they were living unrighteous and thinking, hey, we're getting away with this. We don't see judgment coming. But he spared Noah and seven other people. And he says, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, remember Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of the lawless men, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from their trials and hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment. Here's what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, don't worry. Ultimately, the unrighteous will not get away with their unrighteous living. Now, here's a couple of other people that have asked about it. Take your Bibles, write this down if you're, if you're interested in this and if you've asked this question a few different times. The psalmist was saying, asking the same question. He said, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure of heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped, he says. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, I started envying the arrogant and their prosperity. I started thinking, man, they, they have it nice. Wow, they're getting ahead. Man, I wish I drove a car like that. Wow, it must be nice to have this woman, that woman hanging off your arm. Whoa, that would be the, I'd love to exchange lives for a day or two. He said, I envied the arrogant. I looked at them and said, wait a second. It seems like they're doing really, really well. And then he started saying, the psalmist started saying, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. And in vain I have washed my hands in innocence. He's saying, you know what? In vain I've done this. 
I, here, here I've tried to do things right, and I guess it was for nothing. Because ultimately, look, it looks like people that aren't trying to live right are doing better than me, even though I've really tried to do things right. So it must be in vain. They must be getting away with it. That's what the psalmist said. In Malachi, it says the same thing. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. God says to these people, You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. They were speaking harshly against God. And you ask, hey, what have we said against you? You have said it's futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and by going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant or the prideful blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper. And even those who challenge God escape. They were looking around and saying, hey, these people are raising their fists to God and nothing's happened. No lightning from heaven striking them. The friend that says, oh, so you're a follower of Jesus. Hey, you're a bunch of losers. Hey, look what I do to God. And he raises their fist at God. And you're thinking, oh, man, here comes lightning. And you say, no lightning. Oh, Jesus, please lightning now. No lightning. And then they get a promotion at your, their job, and you're saying, wait a second, God. Did you see what he said about you? Did you see what he did? Do you see how he uses your name in vain every single day? And they seem to be getting ahead. God, hello, big challenge here. Fire like Sodom and Gomorrah. Good place for lightning. And yet it seems like they're getting away with it. And it seems like God is not acting. And so these people were saying, hey, we're, this has been useless for us to try to live for God because God isn't really just in rewarding us. They're getting away with it. And here's what God says. Listen, I want you to write this verse down. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. Hey, hey, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You think you're pulling a fast one on God? <laughs> think again. You really think that God didn't see that? You really think that God is so preoccupied with the injustice in Sudan and the war in Iraq and the starving children in Ethiopia that he's sort of like, oh, I know you're out there, but I lost track of you. You really think that you pulled a fast one on God. You really think that you're getting away with it and that God is oblivious to what's happening. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Listen, he says, a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, at the proper time, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, some of you need to hear that. Some of you need to hear, don't give up. Don't give up, because some of you have checked Christianity off almost. You're saying, okay, one more Sunday. I'm going to give it one more Sunday. 
I tried yoga, it didn't work. <laughs> tried my therapist, check it off, didn't work. I tried Oprah's latest book, didn't work. <laughs> and I'm about to cross Christianity out because I've been here three months and it's really not working. My life's not getting any easier. There's still trials. Things are tough. I thought God was going to take all my problems away. And they're not going away. And I'm trying really hard. And that guy's not trying at all. And things are going well. I'm about to check it off. And here's what the Spirit of God is saying to you today. The Spirit of God is saying to you right now, today. You will reap what you sow. Ultimately, if you don't get tired of doing good and you don't give up. Start reaping the pure seed. Start trusting God, being faithful. And in the proper season, you will reap. Because listen, God will ultimately make sure that justice comes about with mercy. No one pulls a slick one on God. No one deceives God. No one gets away. No one slips out the back door unnoticed. God is a just God. God knows how to preserve his righteous people in the midst of trial and tribulation and tough time. God knows how to spare you and keep you so that you don't fall away if you persevere until the end. He ends up by saying, if so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from their trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. So he says, I want you to know that the unjust will be punished ultimately. They will get what they deserve. God, they're not going to be spared. God, God's going to make sure that justice comes about. But he also says this, I want you also to know that God knows how to sustain you, protect you so that you don't become a victim when you're trying to live for God, that God knows how to spare you and protect you and uphold you in the midst of a rotting society. God knows how to spare your life and to keep you from be becoming bailing out if you hold on. You see, it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Somebody said, no one's ever had a temptation like mine. Oh, yes, they have. Oh, no, pastor, if you knew my temptation, I don't, but I know other people have had it. God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You know what it's saying? You may be facing some major temptations right now, ready to bail out, ready to give up on God because you think that it's too hard for you to handle, and yet God is saying to you, listen, I know your tipping point. I know how much you can handle, and I will never give you so much that you can't handle before it breaks you, before it comes down on you. I will provide a way of escaping this temptation and a way of you holding up under the temptation. Some of you have felt like, I'm at the breaking point. But yet God says, no, I won't let that happen. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that awesome that God, he will not let it happen. 
He'll provide a way out. Now, let me tell you about a way out, too. Some of you put yourself in your own temptation. You say, well, Pastor, I'm really, oh, Lord, help me. I'm being tempted. Oh, Jesus, please deliver me. I'm being tempted. Okay, well, what's your temptation? Well, here I am at. I'm at a party. It's 2 in the morning. The music's going. The old beats that used to get me going are there. You know, everybody's boozing. There's a bowl full of all kinds of drugs in front of me. People are making out. I'm there with my old boyfriend. He's getting high. All the temptations. I'm saying, oh, Jesus, this is too much for me to handle. I'm going to give you one real short piece of advice. I know how you can handle it. It's called the back door. Open it and run. <laughs> and run. What are you doing at a party at 2 o'clock in the morning with drugs all around you anyways? Don't say, oh, Jesus, help me be strong. Just get out of there. You have no business there. Don't put yourself, don't tempt God putting yourself in that situation. Get out of there. Use your noggin a little bit to be faithful and to stay strong. That's what the Word of God is telling us. Powerful insights here on Moody Presents. A great benefit in pursuing and seeking God is that He will not leave you at your breaking point. He will help you get out. But that does require work on our part to stay out of certain situations. You've been listening to Mark Job, our teacher here on this weekly broadcast that we call Moody Presents. Thanks for listening today. And don't forget today's message and all our messages are available online for your convenience at our website to revisit again whenever you like. Again, go to moodypresents.org, moodypresents.org. Until next time, I'm John Geiger. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.